your attention to a ruling that took place in Hawaii. It's an interesting one, and it's one that you guys should all be focused on. So it's about the Second Amendment. The Hawaii Supreme Court is completely ignoring the Second Amendment, and they're also ignoring the U.S. Supreme Court's previous rulings on this. Ultimately, there was an anonymous decision, 5-0 decision, that came down from the Hawaii Supreme Court, and it's just completely disregarding open carry regulations. And so what they're saying is ultimately, you don't have a right to carry in Hawaii. And they're pretty much like associating it with their culture, saying that it's just not relevant to their culture, that having deadly quote, deadly weapons during day-to-day activities, quote, is something that like you shouldn't have access to and you shouldn't be able to do. And that comes from their justices. It's all quite concerning because... We've seen previous rulings come down from the Supreme Court that say that, yes, the Second Amendment allows you to carry. And so it's just it's just so it's so bad on how these states, these blue states continue to ignore the Supreme Court's rulings on the Second Amendment. They're just hoping to kind of that you won't push back. You won't keep challenging them and it won't make its way back to the Supreme Court. And eventually it will just stick and this will be the rule of law of the land. And so it's important that we talk about these things. It's important that we bring a shine a light on it because we need to keep pushing back on this. Let's discuss this case with a Second Amendment attorney. His name is Stephen Stamboli. Uh, I was concerned with the Hawaii Supreme Court's ruling on all of this because it's it's kind of concerning how they're being just neglectful and ignoring the higher court's ruling. What do you make of all of this? And how do you simplify this for our audience so that they can understand why this is so important? Sure. Well, first off, thanks for having me on your show. Um, Secondly, if this wasn't such a serious thing, it would be hysterical, right? Because we have a state Supreme Court that's giving the middle finger to the Supreme Court and saying that people don't have a right to keep and bear arms outside their home. Um, Now, the Supreme Court in 2022 uh, in the uh, New York State Rifle case, v. Bruin, uh, was very clear that the Second Amendment, uh, you, you have a right to public carry under the Second Amendment. So what Hawaii did is they analyzed their Second Amendment provision in their Constitution, Article 1, Section 17, I believe it was, in the Hawaii State Constitution, which is almost verbatim exactly what the Second Amendment says, except for two commas and a capital letter. Uh, And they found a completely, like, the right to public carry does not exist in Hawaii. Uh, And you would expect some kind of, like, deep legal analysis, uh, but they didn't. Um, the, The opinion looked like it was written by a high school mock trial team from a school that was failing in English, maybe, uh, you know, from one of these states like Maryland that they, that, um, you know, all of their schools are, no one can read. Uh, and that's how the opinion read, you know, like four or five word sentences, um, just this is it. And this is their conclusion. It's just very poorly written. Um, and then they castigated the Supreme Court for, um, for principles of federalism, you know, we have a s- separate state federal balance and they were really upset that the Supreme Court, you know, I guess, granted, air quotes, uh, this right to public carry and that there's no historical tradition for public carry. And basically at every turn, they were just telling the Supreme Court where to go and how to get there. Yeah, and that's why I was confused by this. So ultimately, when I'm like reading through all the statements that were being made by the justices in Hawaii, I was confused as to what they were getting at. I mean, they're kind of saying it gets a cultural thing and that there's no yes. reason to carry. I mean, well, that, if you're the Supreme Court, do you, in the United States Supreme Court, do you, do you, how do you hold these people accountable for being so dismissive of their previous rulings? So that just sounds outrageous. It, it, it is absolutely outrageous. You know, when you have our judiciary, right, you have the Supreme Court, which, you know, if we want to do like a John Wick reference, sits above the table, right? And all the other courts are like the, the high table. 
all of the lower courts have to follow the Supreme Court. It's not a question of, of if they have to, they absolutely have to. And without that, we will have anarchy in our uh, judicial branch of government. Um, and so what Hawaii did, which again, it would be funny if it's not so serious, um, but just absolutely idiotic ruling. They said that the spirit of aloha, um, I mean, I don't even know how to say this with a straight face because I can't. The spirit of Aloha mandated that they come to the decision that they came to. And they they uh, used the law of the splintered paddle to um, say how King Kamahimaha, whatever his name is, uh, found in Hawaii because he was trying to tyrannize the locals and they beat him with an oar and the oar broke. And then he came out with this poem and they're saying this is the poem that we follow for the Aloha spirit. And just like... What is this? Some, some kind of tribal nonsense. You know, this is America. Uh, Hawaii, uh, much to their chagrin, is a state in our union. Now, I don't think they want to be, and maybe they shouldn't be, but they are. And so until they secede, you know, I always thought Texas was going to be the first state to secede again. I think it's going to be Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially after this this ruling. I mean, it's just so absurd. And I, and I like how you're able to, to detail their responses because... I was scratching my head. I thought it was actually a prank when I was reading it. Like I didn't think this was really like a Babylon B almost article because it just didn't seem legit. Uh, so it's concerning. But what can the Supreme Court do here? Because if states don't start abiding by these rulings that they already put into place and they keep doing this, it's going to ultimately overwhelm the courts when they have to keep going back and keep ruling in favor of the Second Amendment. So what can the Supreme Court do now to kind of penalize Hawaii for, for doing this? Is there anything that they could do? Or do they have to just keep letting these cases fall in front of them and then just making the rulings and the corrections. Yeah. So the Supreme Court's not going to do anything on its own. So you're going to have to bring a, a petition for a writ of certiorari before the Supreme Court. You know, obviously that takes time and money because you have to hire a lawyer, uh, hopefully a lawyer that knows what he's doing um, to uh, file a petition with the Supreme Court to tell the Hawaii court, Hey, you're, you know, you sit beneath us, uh, you have to do what we say, and you don't get to um, criticize us for a ruling that you don't like. You know, um, yeah. I attended a speech from Justice Scalia a long time ago, and he said that we're not, um, we're not final because we're right. We're right because we're final. And I mean, if you if you think about it, it's like the Supreme Court is the end of the line with with the legal process. If you get to the Supreme Court and you lose, there's no other where to, where to go. You, you're stuck with whatever that opinion is until sometime that the Supreme Court overturns their precedent like they did it in Roe v. Wade. So, you know, like like he said, they're right because they're final. So they've pronounced that the Second Amendment preserved a right to public carry. The Hawaii Supreme Court has zero authority under the Second Amendment to come in and say, you know what, the spirit of Aloha tells us that you don't actually have a right to public carry because our people don't like guns or whatever. I mean, Hawaii is a very dangerous place. I don't know if you've been there recently, um, but I've had the unfortunate, I've, I've been unfortunate and I've been there, uh, I think like eight times for work. And my goal is I fly in the day before court, I leave the day after court. I've never been to Hawaii beach. I'm sure they're beautiful, but I, I drove by Waikiki. It's like tent city there with all the homeless people just popping up a tent on Waikiki beach. Um, like homeless drugs. I mean, it's just like. Yeah, it wasn't until I saw Dog the Bounty Hunter, actually. He he had, he was based out of there, I believe. And he was going after all these okay. people with drug addictions in Hawaii. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize Hawaii was this bad. But it is, and we don't talk about it often. I think we should though, because not only is it expensive cost of living there, but 
like you yeah. said, there's 10 cities like crazy. And you wouldn't expect that from there, from Hawaii. And you'd think that would be their no. focus on correcting that instead of going after the Second Amendment. But we know the times right. we live in well, are quite different. Yeah. But but you know the thing that these courts or I, I don't think that they are um I think they're doing this intentionally. Like all the legis the legislature in Hawaii is is one of the most anti-gun legislatures you will ever find from any of the states. Like they give New York and California a run for their money. They pass all of these really stupid laws. Uh, and the only people that comply with them are, are of course, the law-abiding citizens. So, you know, like you and I uh, can't carry when we go to Hawaii because we don't have a permit. They don't recognize any permits from anywhere else. Um, and, and we're at the mercy of the criminals who are armed and the police. You know, you're going to like, it, it boggles my mind that the legislators think that we're the problem. You know, they, they try to blame us for carrying the guns to protect ourselves and our family and our loved ones. And our, and our property too, you know, like the police aren't even prosecuting these smash and grabs out in California. Like, the, you know, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're creating more reasons for more Americans to want to carry. And that's ultimately what right. we're seeing in states all across the country. I mean, here in Florida, uh, we, I mean, people say it's not constitutional carry, but we now, like I could carry and I don't need a permit to carry in Florida. You're closer. Uh, I just have to pass the background. <laughs> yes, we're closer, yeah. we're closer and that's right. important. Uh, that's very important. I want to jump over to something else. So, Stephen, sure. you are actually representing me in a FOIA lawsuit against the mm -hmm. veteran, the Department of Veteran Affairs right now. Yep. And I'm constantly telling our audience how important it is to go after these federal agencies and submit FOIA requests and to go through all the process of obtaining these records from the government. Because ultimately, it, it, it creates transparency. And that's what we need yep. from our federal government. So you are the great legal mind and you focus on this quite often with helping people get access to these FOIAs and the information that they need. So I want to talk about it a little bit so our audience knows. Sure. Our audience, they could submit FOIA requests on their own behalf. They don't have to be a member of the media. Is that correct? That's right. So you don't have to be a member of the media. Uh, the Freedom of Information Act, as you just said, FOIA. Um, applies to government agencies, not to Congress and not to the president, but it applies to uh, like agencies, ATF, VA, DHS, you know, all of the agencies that run our lives or ruin our lives, basically. And you can get all kinds of information from them. I mean, you have to have an idea of what you're looking for, uh, but then you just go and you Google the agency and FOIA and it'll tell you like exactly what you have up on the screen. It'll tell you, you know, what agency are you seeking records from? Uh, what records do you want? And then you you have to pay a fee a lot of times. So you have to say, like, I'll pay up to $100 or I'll pay up to $50 because there is a cost to processing these records. Um, but a lot of times the federal government, these agencies don't respond. They have 20 business days under the FOIA statute to respond to a FOIA. Uh, and a lot of times they just don't. So I've had FOIAs with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms that have been unanswered for over six years. And I just haven't had time to sue them. And then you get around to suing them and, um, you know, then you either can go through the litigation process, which of course costs money because you have filing fees, service of process fees and lawyer fees, right? You know, because we're not cheap, right? But it, it's one of these things like people, if they're interested in seeing what the government is doing, what the government is up to, then they should absolutely ask for records. And the amount of records that they have on topics that you might not think that records would uh, exist or that they wouldn't have a lot of records would astound you. Um, you know, I did a, a FOIA for Kent Terry, who is the brother of Brian Terry, uh, that was the murdered Border Patrol agent in the ATF Fast and Furious scandal. I don't know if you remember that, but 
I sued Department of State on his behalf and they send me thousands and thousands and thousands of pages, like so many pages that I couldn't keep up with reviewing all of them because it was just so much crap. Um, now we didn't get a lot of responsive stuff, like responsive meaning that it didn't answer the questions that we were seeking. But you know, Department of State is one of the worst agencies to sue under FOIA because they will just send newspaper clippings like this is like 1975 or something and you know some dudes you know clipping stuff out of newspapers and scanning it but the other agencies um like FBI they they're pretty good at responding to stuff and you would be shocked at what they have um if you have any people that are interested in FBI FOIA specifically um they have something called the vault which is online. So if you've got an idea of what you want, let's say it's JFK assassination, they have a lot of those records online already. So it might be something that you go to their website first and see if someone is, has asked for it already. And then you don't have to pay anything. You just go in there and you get to kind of peruse around and see what documents are available. And, and other agencies have uh, something like a vault, like an online library also. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I don't think a lot of Americans know you could what kind of communication can you well communication that I made it obvious, but what can you ultimately request? Because I've requested electronic communications before body cam yeah. footage, any type of yeah. footage that you could get your hands on. I usually plan to request for. And like you said, they try to ignore it, but they can't. They have to respond in some form. They have to by somehow. law. Yes. They so do. What, what else can they what else can our audience request from the government if they wanted to? Is it just just what I kind of detailed, or is there more that you could also ask for? Yeah, so I mean, you can ask for emails. Um, golly, I mean, there's really no, well, there is a limit on what you can ask. So let me tell you what you what you can't ask for. Like, I can't get your FBI file, should one exist, like, to tell me how many lists that you're on, right? Because uh, they would say, well, she's a living person, and I would need, under the Privacy Act, which is kind of like a counterpart to FOIA, I would need your authorization to ask the FBI for information about you. But anyone that works in government, you can get... Um, their emails. Uh, I'm trying to think like the Hillary Clinton emails, you know, you could have FOIA uh, Department of State for Hillary Clinton emails and you could FOIA, um, golly, you know, just use your imagination on what you want and then go out and get that. Um, you can't FOIA like national security stuff, uh, law enforcement records, things like that are generally exempt. Um, it's it's kind of like a, a weird thing to explain because it's not that they're just exempt. They have to fall under certain criteria in order for like a law enforcement agency like the FBI to withhold certain documents. Like I FOIA, I FOIA'd the Hunter Biden uh, investigation from the Secret Service and from the ATF. And at that point, they told me that we can either confirm or deny that we've investigated him. Well, now we know that he's been investigated because he's been indicted. So I FOIA'd it again. Uh, and then they said, well, it's an active investigation because they're, well, they're, they're prosecuting him. So so, and, and they're right. Unfortunately, the courts have said, you know, when you have active investigations, uh, yeah. you just can't get any of, of, of the records until that investigation is complete. Yeah. And so I've got one here, actually. This is the FBI for that gentleman who was killed in Utah. I know the body. I know the FBI doesn't have body cam and they, they won't admit yeah. it to me that they don't have body cam. But the local police department that was also on scene had body cam. And so yep. I've been foiling the both of them for their body cam. And the FBI continues to say that it's an ongoing investigation, even though the gentleman is deceased. Yeah. But they use that so, excuse so quite often. Is there any way to go around do. it? So, um, 
Yes, at some point the investigation will close uh, and then you can make your request again. But I will tell you what you just said is very important. So like you you know that the FBI is there and you know that they don't have body cams even though they're not going to tell you that. But then you you realize they're like, oh, well, the Utah, I don't know, Department of Public Safety cops or the state troopers are there and they have body cams. So then you can kind of tailor, go around and, and, and work out another angle to get the information that you want based on who you know is there. Or they might, you might get a report from the FBI and it says, you know, we responded with the, you know, Department of, of uh, I'm sorry, the state police in Utah. And then you go, like, oh, thanks for the tip, you know, and then you go and kind of fish, you know, you cast a wide net uh, mm -hmm. and then start reeling it in, see what you find. I mean, it is kind of a fishing expedition because you don't know what you're going to get back. Yeah, yeah. And I'd recommend our audience go and do it if they have anything that they want to, you know, kind of figure out. And if you get a document dump, what I always say, which are like thousands of pages of just yeah. nonsense, make it available to the public. Have other people. There's so many people out there who just kind of want to sift through things and look through them. And so if you just post it on a website or make a website and just share it with people, I would say make it something that's not downloadable. So like make sure that it's the PDFs are just right there on the website so you don't have to download it. Because I wouldn't download If you send me a link right now to download something, I won't download it if I don't know you. Uh, so make it something that's like widely accessible to everyone and have other people just kind of sift through it because, you know, it, it we, we could find stuff through all of this if we all just kind of help each other out. And I think that's really important because the corporate media, like when I work with these corporate media outlets, we couldn't FOIA half the stuff that they FOIA now. Uh, they would never want to get on the mm. government's bad side. And so if you're independent, you're just a regular citizen, it, it's it's a great thing to do. You might as well take advantage of it. We have it at our, it's one of the tools that many of us have at our fingertips. So definitely indulge a little bit and FOIA everything you've ever wanted FOIA. <laughs> That's how I recommend That's right. it. <laughs> Thank <laughs> That's you right. for That's jumping right. on with us today. We really appreciate it. Hey everyone, I'm getting ready to head out right now, but before I go, I always have to put on some deodorant. And I used to look all the time for the best deodorant. I couldn't find it on the shelves at all until our good friends over at Give a Derm came out with a brand new deodorant. This one's called Pits Me Off. It's incredible. Watch this, it's super easy. Ta-da, and that's all you need. And it dries super quick. Obviously, I'm wearing black. There's no white residue left over. It's a natural deodorant. It's made right here in the USA. There's none of those Chinese harmful chemicals also included it. It's giveaderm.com, and then use the promo code Brianna for 10% off. You gotta try it. You guys, I've said it once before, so I'm gonna say it again. And under the Biden regime, I've never been more worried about my financial future. I called my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, because I wanted to come up with a plan put in place to make sure I was secure. And he came up with a plan for me to invest in silver. I'm rich. I've got my silver. I'm feeling so much better about my future. I highly recommend you give him a call and just chat with his team. 720-605-3900. And you could also head over to his website if you'd like to schedule an appointment. It's kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna. And if you enjoyed that segment, make sure you hit that like button. And if you want to see the news before it becomes the news, you have to subscribe to our channel. And well, if you have a liberal friend that you're looking to save, make sure you share this content with them.